Hello and welcome to the NLCC Sermon Podcast. In a moment, we'll listen in on a message from our Sunday morning worship service. But first, if this is your first time tuning into NLCC, we would love for an opportunity to get to know you and walk with you in your faith journey. If you're interested in connecting with this church, head to our website, northliberty.cc, and hit the I'm New button or use the links in the description. Our goal is to help you experience the transformational power of God in your life. And we hope and pray that you find that in this message. There used to be a clothing store all across the nation known as Steve and Barry's. Some of you might remember this store existing, Steve and Barry's. In case you've never heard of it, let me tell you, Steve and Barry's was the perfect store. I loved Steve and Barry's. I'll give you two reasons why Steve and Barry's was perfect. Reason number one, it was cheap. And when I say cheap, I mean like dirt cheap, like $5 t-shirts cheap. Like they're probably not legally selling these t-shirts somehow is how cheap that they were. Something you should know about me is I hate spending money on clothes. I hate clothes shopping. I don't care about clothes. I don't think about clothes. I don't like clothes shopping. If I have money to spend, the last thing that I'm thinking about is clothes. In fact, I still have t-shirts that I wore in high school. I'm wearing one today because I hate buying clothes and this one works just fine. It's a $5 t-shirt from Walmart and it's worked for the last like eight or nine or 10 years. I don't know, right? I hate spending money on clothes. I'm cheap when it comes to clothes. So was Steve and Barry's. Cheap when it comes to clothes. The second reason why Steve and Barry's was awesome was because it was all about sports. You could get any clothing item from any team on the planet Earth. It was amazing. Any college that you could think of, every mascot, every team, if you were looking for team clothes, there wasn't a better or a cheaper place to get it than Steve and Barry's. Back in the late 2000s, Stephen Barry's as a whole went bankrupt. We used to have one in my hometown of Joplin, Missouri. And I didn't know that the whole company as a whole went bankrupt. All I knew is that the one in my hometown, my Stephen Barry's, my store was gone. One day it was there, and the next day it was an empty building. And I was sad. I was angry. I was upset. I was confused. How could anyone let something bad happen to a store as perfect and as cheap and as amazing as Stephen Berry's? How could anyone let this happen? And that building was left empty for a little while until eventually a new store opened up in the same place. And this new store was called Vintage Stock. Now, Vintage Stock, the first time that I walked into Vintage Stock, I forgot completely about Stephen Berry's. Instantly, Stephen Berry's was meaningless to me. It was worthless to me. Who and Larry, I don't care. It didn't matter because what I realized was Vintage Stock was better 
Vintage stock was better. Vintage stock has everything that I could possibly ever want out of a store. It has video games, it has movies, comic books, collectibles, clothing items, wall art, uh, vinyl records. There's even a section in there for disc golf, and I love disc golf. This is a perfect store. It has everything that I could possibly want out of a store, and instantly, Stephen Berry's means nothing to me because vintage stock was better. When I first knew that Stephen Berry's closed down, I was sad and I was upset and I was angry and I was confused because I was losing something that I cared about. But I hadn't even thought about the possibility that something better could be coming, that something better could be on its way, that there was a better option for me than what I was losing. The disciples of Jesus had a similar experience on a much bigger scale. They lost something with a promise of something better coming. In John chapter 16, Jesus is explaining to the disciples that something good is being taken away from them so something better can come. Let's read it together. John 16, 4 through 7. I didn't tell you this earlier because I was with you every day, but now I'm on my way to the one who sent me. Not one of you has asked, where are you going? Instead, The longer I've talked, the sadder you've become. So, let me say it again, this truth. It is better for you that I leave. If I don't leave, the friend won't come. But if I go, I'll send him to you. So Jesus is explaining that he himself has to leave. His time on this earth has come to an end. He is ascending into heaven to sit on the throne, and the disciples were sad. And I don't blame them for being sad. But in this, Jesus actually promises something better. He he promises them the Holy Spirit, the friend. He says, I have to leave, but it's better because it means the Holy Spirit is on the way. Today, in our search for answers, we are talking about the Holy Spirit, and we're going to find out why the Holy Spirit is better. Even though we we talk about the Holy Spirit often in church, we we frequently mention the work that he does in us and through us almost weekly, Um, and even though that Jesus himself in John 16 says that the Holy Spirit is better, I think a lot of us, if we're honest, we would have a hard time describing who the Holy Spirit is and how he works. While we say that we believe that the Holy Spirit is part of the triune God, part of the Trinity, equal with the Father and the Son, he often kind of feels like he's left on the back burner a little bit when compared to the Father and the Son in our thoughts, in our conversations, and even our preaching. He kind of feels like he's left behind sometimes. Max Lucado writes this, Ask people who is God the Father, they have a ready reply. Or describe God the Son, most will not hesitate to answer. But if you want to see someone hem, haw, and search for words, ask, who is the Holy Spirit? We're going to fix that. Our goal this morning is to introduce you 
to the Holy Spirit of God and to show you exactly what Jesus meant when he said that the Holy Spirit is better. Now, I can't tell you everything there possibly is to know about the Holy Spirit. I, I just can't fit that all into one message. This is just an introduction. In the same way that you can't describe all of who Jesus is in just one statement, you can't describe all of who God the Father is in just one statement, you can't describe all of who the Holy Spirit Spirit is in just one statement. But that being said, here's my one statement introduction to the Holy Spirit. I know I said we can't do that, but I'm going to do it because this statement is going to be our blueprint for this whole conversation this morning, okay? So I want you to remember this statement, remember it well. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the gift of God's power in action and presence in us. The Holy Spirit is the gift of God's power in action and presence in us, okay? I want to back up a little bit, and I want to tell you a couple things that the Holy Spirit is not. A couple things that the Holy Spirit is not, and the first one is a big deal to me because it's something that I struggle with. It's something that I get wrong all the time, but uh, I need to do better, and we all need to do better. The first thing that the Holy Spirit is not is an it, Right? The Holy Spirit is not an it. It's not a thing. He is a person. He has intellect. He has will. He has emotions. He is not an it or a thing, and we should never again, we should all commit to doing our best to never again refer to the Holy Spirit as it. Right? He is a person. He is God, and we should refer to him as such. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is not magic. Right? Uh, this might sound a little weird, but we often refer to the Holy Spirit with words like power, rightfully so. But it's important that we realize that he is not power that is summoned by humans at humans' will. He is not power by human authority. He is not like an energy drink that we keep in the fridge for that moments where we need a little extra boost and then we just like pull them out and crack them open like the Holy Spirit. That's not what the Holy Spirit is, okay? He's not a magic trick. He's not an it. And really, the third one summarizes everything that we need to know that the Holy Spirit isn't. The Holy Spirit is not anything less than God himself. He is not anything less than God himself. He is God along with the Father and the Son. He is an equal member of the Trinity, and he should not be reduced down to any single attribute or role. However, our statement is going to provide us a blueprint. The Holy Spirit is the gift of God's power in action and presence in us. For myself and for a lot of people, when you think of the Holy Spirit, the first word that comes to mind is that word, power. Uh, I brought a couple scriptural examples with us. The first one in, in Luke 24, 49, Jesus says, I'm sending you what my Father promised. Stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. Acts 1.8, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. In fact, a lot of the time when you see the word power in the New Testament, it's probably referring to the Holy Spirit. If you're reading through the New Testament and you come across that word power, I want you to start asking yourself and looking at the context and see, is this actually talking about the Holy Spirit? Because a lot of times it is. One example that I found is in Acts chapter 6 verse 8. It's is moments before Stephen became the first martyr, and uh, the, the text says, Stephen was full of grace and power. 
This is not talking about Stephen's own courage or Stephen's own boldness. This is saying Stephen was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what that verse is talking about. But power is not enough because the Holy Spirit is power in action. Power in action. It's power that moves, power that acts. Scripture often uses um, symbols and images to help us to understand who the Holy Spirit is. And some of the symbols that Scripture uses for the Holy Spirit is fire, right? Fire, that's in Acts, one, or Acts 2. Uh, it also uses wind, also in Acts 2 and in 1 Kings 19. Um, also, a river of flowing water in John 7. It refers to the Holy Spirit that way. Some of these images, they describe powerful forces that produce results. Fire, wind, a river of floating water. These aren't words that you use to describe something that's stationary, right? This is, these are words used to describe power in action, power that moves. In fact, the very word that the Bible uses for spirit, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the very word that the Bible uses for spirit is not what we would assume or we would associate with like a ghost or like a soul, something, you know, it's not that word. It's actually in both the Old Testament Hebrew and the New Testament Greek, the word that the Bible uses is a picture word that is supposed to summon in your mind the image of a powerful wind, a moving wind. Uh, there's not really a word in English we can pull it directly to, but the closest words are a puff or a blow. Those are the kinds of images that the Bible wants us to see when we see the word power. J.I. Packer, he says, to picture the Holy Spirit, picture the force by, with, by which the big bad wolf blew down the little piggies' houses, right? Power, wind in action, wind that moves, wind that pushes and shoves and does and and works, okay? Power that does. The other day, I went on a walk, and this beautiful time of year in Indiana with the leaves changing colors, fall, and the leaves fall on the ground. And I was on a walk, and the wind blew, and the leaves picked up and twirled in the wind a little bit. And you could see how the wind was causing the leaves to move. The leaves weren't moving on their own. I couldn't see the wind, but I could see the wind through the movement of the leaves. That's the picture that we should have with the Holy Spirit. Wind power in action, power that causes action or causes movement, produces some sort of result. So what does this power mean for us? When you receive the Holy Spirit, he empowers you to do God's work. He empowers you to action. He empowers you to glorify God in everything that you say and do. Not power for your own gain, or your own credit, but power to lift you up or to lift up the name of Jesus and to minister to those around you. If you want to know what skill set the disciples had in order to grow and expand the first century church, the disciples of Jesus who were given the task of going and preaching the good news and expanding the first century church, if you want to know what skill set they had in order to do this, it had nothing to do with them and everything to do with the Holy Spirit. In fact, if we look back at that verse, Luke chapter 24, verse 49, it says, Jesus is talking to the disciples. And he says, look, I'm sending you what my father promised, the Holy Spirit. And as for you, stay. Stay in this city until 
you are empowered from on high. So Jesus told the disciples that they were not ready to begin ministering and to begin spreading the gospel until the Holy Spirit came. They were not ready until they had the power of the Holy Spirit to move them into action and do it. Keep in mind, the disciples had been in training for three years. The disciples had sat with Jesus around the campfire. The disciples had walked with Jesus through the cities. They prayed with him. They witnessed miraculous healings. They saw demons flee from Jesus, but they weren't ready. They had seen the empty tomb. They had touched Jesus' resurrected body. They had heard him preach on the kingdom of God, but the disciples were not ready until the Holy Spirit gave them power. They needed power. They needed Holy Spirit power. They needed power in action. They needed God to move in them and through them through the power of his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives you power to do what you can't on your own. The disciples couldn't build the church on their own. They needed the Spirit. There's a lot of times where we feel like we can't. We can't decide. We can't make the right choice. We can't live a life worthy of our calling. We can't get over our own fear and our failure. We can't go on bearing a weight that is just too heavy for us to bear. We need help. Every one of us has had moments of can't. Moments where we realize that we are not enough and that we need help. And it's exactly in those moments that we need help the most that God sends a helper. A helper to put power into action. In the book Help Is Here by Max Licato, he writes, The Holy Spirit comes with power. Power to make good choices, to keep promises, to silence the inner voices of fear and failure. Power to get out of bed, to get on with life, get busy about the right things in the right way. Power to face the unexpected and unwanted passages of time. Power. It's what Jesus has promised then, and it's what Jesus promises still. If you're searching for this God-given empowerment, let me introduce you to the life-giving relationship with the Holy Spirit. We were not meant to walk this path alone. We were not meant to carry the weight of our burdens alone. Welcome in the presence of the Holy Spirit to give you power. But power in action is not the only thing of who the Holy Spirit is. Let's look back at my statement before to see how the Holy Spirit is even better than that. The Holy Spirit is the gift of God's power in action and presence in us. If I asked you who the first person on earth was, you would probably rightfully answer Adam. Adam, of course, was the first person on earth. He was the first person created by God, the first human to walk the earth, the first thing created in God's image. But if you read through the creation account in Genesis, before Adam, you'll notice that actually all three persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, all played a huge and important role in creation. God the Father spoke things into existence. He spoke light into existence. He spoke the earth into existence. But we don't actually see God the Father walk the earth until his creation was complete. Then in John 1.1, 1, 1, 
John uses the, he says Jesus was the word in the beginning, meaning Jesus was the power through which God spoke everything into existence. He makes the claim in the first chapter of John that it is through the power of Jesus that everything was created and nothing was created that wasn't created through the power of Jesus. Jesus was that power through which the universe and everything in it was created. But then, but Jesus, he wouldn't walk the earth for thousands of years until he would come as a human baby. But John says, or or sorry, but if you look in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, the very second verse of our Bible, it says, Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the water. Before God created the earth or anything in it, the Spirit made his presence known. His presence on earth was the first role of the Holy Spirit, and his presence continues to be the most important role of the Holy Spirit today. We mentioned the the many different images that the Bible uses to describe the Holy Spirit, such as wind and fire, but the Bible also uses a lot of images to describe the Spirit that give us a very different picture. Because the Bible also calls him the dove of peace, the counselor, the teacher, the advocate, the gift giver, the helper. These words don't provide that same image in our mind as power in action, but more of a calming gentle teacher, protector, mentor, and presence. In Galatians 5, Paul is listing out the uh, attributes or the fruit of the Spirit and uh, and what a a Spirit-filled life is, and here's what they are. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, These words don't describe power in action. They describe the Spirit's presence in us, his presence in us that equips us to display these characteristics of who God is. Now, it's interesting to me because in the context of John 16, the verse that we started with, where Jesus tells his disciples that it's better for him to leave so that the Holy Spirit can come, the context of that verse is Jesus' presence on earth is ending that Jesus' presence on earth is going away, and instead we get the presence of the Holy Spirit. He has to leave so the Holy Spirit will come. Let's look at that verse again in verses 4 through 7 of John 16. I didn't tell you this earlier because I was with you every day, but now I am on my way to the one who sent me. Not one of you has asked, where are you going? Instead, the longer I've talked, the sadder you've become. So, let me say it again. This truth It is better for you that I leave. If I don't leave, the friend won't come. But if I go, I'll send him to you. So Jesus compares his physical presence on this earth with the spirit-filling presence of God with us on earth, and he says the Holy Spirit is better because God's presence is in us. Now, let me be very clear and very specific with what I'm about to say next. I don't want you to miss this. Jesus does not say that the Holy Spirit is a replacement for Jesus. 
Nowhere in this verse or anywhere in scripture would Jesus say that the Holy Spirit is a replacement for Jesus. In fact, it's very much the complete opposite of that. It is through the working of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling and the presence of the Holy Spirit, it is through the Holy Spirit that we can know Jesus better. That's why it's better, because it's through the Holy Spirit that we can know Jesus better. The ministry of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament is to show us Jesus, to show us Jesus, to bring Christ's presence to us, to reveal Jesus to us as our Savior, as our Lord, and as our God. I'll give you three quick ways that this happens through the Holy Spirit, okay? First, the whole, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, we have a personal relationship with Jesus. This cannot happen without the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. Jesus is not here on earth in bodily form. Jesus has ascended into heaven and he is seated at the throne, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are granted a personal relationship with our Savior. A shorter way of putting that is through the presence of the Holy Spirit, we get to experience God the Son. The second thing that the Holy Spirit does with his presence in us is he transforms us to be more like Jesus. He transforms us because as we are revealed more about who Jesus is, as we become clearer in our understanding of who Jesus is, the Holy Spirit transforms us to be more like Jesus every day. If you want to learn more about what it looks like to live a life worthy of Jesus, to live a life like Jesus, I would encourage you to go back to last week's sermon that Jody preached on how to be a Christian. That's a good place to start. But for the Holy Spirit, we've seen two things. One, he helps us to experience God the Son. He also helps us to transform, to be more like Jesus. If those don't sound familiar to you by now, then you should you, you, I hope that they do. I hope that those two things, experience God and transforming lives, I hope that that sounds familiar to you by now. But he does one more thing. Through the presence of the Holy Spirit, we are known, loved, and adopted as children of God. This is the working of the Holy Spirit, to adopt us as children of God. The presence of the Holy Spirit in us is what invites us to the family of God. The indwelling of the Spirit in us is proof of God's love for us and evidence of our place in his kingdom and at his table. So, why did Jesus say that it is better for us to have the Holy Spirit? Because through the Holy Spirit, we can see and know Jesus better. It happens through God's presence in us. In fact, God's presence in us is the most important role of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament and for us today. And I pray that as you have listened to me talk for the last 25 minutes or so, that you are at this point, you are begging me. I'm praying that you're begging me right now to please tell you how do we get them. How do we get the Holy Spirit? I'm hoping that you're desperate to find out the answer to that question. How do we get the Holy Spirit? Because we should be. As we encounter the Spirit's presence and power, then we should be asking that question. And so, let's go back one last time to that statement I made at the beginning. That the Holy Spirit is the gift of God's power in action and presence in us. Can we find our answer in that statement? How do we get the Holy Spirit? We receive him as a gift. He is a gift that is freely given to the believer. 
You can't take the Holy Spirit. You can't summon the Holy Spirit at your will. Remember, he's not a magic trick or an energy drink. He is a person, and God gives us this gift at his will for his glory. And as a gift, it's, it's a little bit difficult for me to give you like a three-step process on how, like, how to receive a gift. Step one, like that's not really how it works. But I do think that the Bible gives us a couple key verses that are going to help us as we search for this answer of how do we get the Holy Spirit. The first is in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Peter tells us that to receive the Holy Spirit, we should repent and we should be baptized in the name of Jesus. If you're new to church and you don't know what baptism is, or if you've been around for a while and you've just never really understood what baptism is, I'll give you a really quick definition, example. Baptism is a symbolic ceremony where a new believer recognizes that Jesus' death on a cross was enough payment for our sins that our sins can be taken away completely. Baptism is a way that we recognize publicly that our sins have been taken away entirely by Jesus' death on a cross. And because of our sins being taken away, we get to have eternal life. We get to have a relationship with the Father and the Son. And, Peter says, we get the gift of the Holy Spirit. All of that happens at the time of baptism. So if you are seeking God's power in action and presence in you, then the first step, if you haven't already, might be baptism. And if you want to know more, if you want to continue that conversation on baptism, please, myself, any of the other pastors on staff, it would be our pleasure and our honor to continue that conversation with you. But an important note here is that the gift of the Holy Spirit is not a one-time gift. It's not a one-and-done gift because we don't have a one-and-done God. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit not just once, but ongoing over and over and over again as he continues to work in us. Charles Spurgeon once wrote or preached a sermon in which he kept asking this question, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you've believed? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you've believed? He is asking if you've received the Holy Ghost today. Did you receive the Holy Ghost yesterday? Are you going to receive the Holy Ghost tomorrow? Will you continue to receive the Holy Spirit daily? Because our God is not a one and done God. Our God is a relationship, everyday, ongoing, living, life-giving, gift-giving, spirit-giving God. So how do we receive the Spirit daily? Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So if you don't feel the Holy Spirit's presence and power in your life, if you're seeking and asking that question, how do I get the Holy Spirit's power and presence in my life? I need him. I need his help. If you're asking that question, lift your heart to God and ask. And I'm not saying this as like a preacher, like just trying to like say preachery things. Sometimes it sounds like when we're talking on a stage, it just sounds like we're saying preachery things that you want to hear. That's not what I'm saying. I'm challenging you. 
If you want the Holy Spirit in your life, ask. I'm challenging you, when you get home, when you're saying your prayers tonight, lift your heart to God and sincerely and seriously ask, God, I want that power. Give me your power. I wanna challenge you to actually take that step and pray to God to receive the Holy Spirit's power and to see what he does through you. I wanna have one more encouragement and then I'm gonna end here. Don't miss him. Don't miss the Holy Spirit. Don't give him a back seat to the Father and to the Son. He is part of our triune God. He is equal to the Father and the Son. And to ignore the Holy Spirit is to ignore a huge part of who God is and how God has chosen to reveal himself to us. You can't understand the Father or the Son without the context, knowledge, and indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Don't miss him. And don't ignore him. He is speaking. He is moving. He is guiding, teaching, counseling, advocating. He is God and he is doing God things on this earth. He is moving in you and through you and around you. Don't ignore him. Open your eyes to his work. Listen for him. Obey him. Pray to receive him and see, see what he will do through you. The Holy Spirit is your best chance at knowing yourself better. And he's your best chance at knowing God better. Because like Jesus says in John 16, the Holy Spirit is better. God, thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your presence in us. Thank you for your power through us. God, thank you for giving us power to do what we can't. Thank you for reminding us daily and showing us daily that you are here and that we are never alone, that we are never without you. Thank you for the gift of understanding who you are and who your son is through the Holy Spirit. God, fill me. Fill me with your spirit today. God, fill this room with your spirit today. May your presence be in us today and tomorrow. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you found value in this message, then we want to encourage you to subscribe to this channel. And if you know someone who needs to hear this message, then please share it with them. NLCC has another podcast called The Other Six where we discuss what it looks like to have an everyday faith on the other six days of the week. You can find that wherever you listen to your podcasts or there's a video version on our YouTube channel. Thank you for listening in and participating with us. We look forward to doing this again with you next week.